0: Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud Podcast, where you'll hear real life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Spiritual spirituality out loud podcast i am leslie seidel and today i have the lovely katerina katerina zolger is a swiss soul and business mentor for visionaries and soulpreneurs her work is focused on consciously navigating the time of fogginess self-doubt and loneliness that lies in the start of finding your true colors and authentic voice her goal is to keep her clients uh, sorry, to help her clients find deep clarity for their business and embody it with ease and joy. Hi.
1: <laughs> thank oh, you.
0: Thank s- you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Uh, thank you for this wonderful introduction. It's like, oh, she's talking about me. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and it's such a lovely, I, I just, I really appreciated how you speak about yourself. Like I, I just, the soulpreneurs is really speaks to me and, and helping visionaries, right? Like, and, and having my own work, I know so clearly this fogginess, the self doubt, and the loneliness involved in it. And so it's just, it's, I'm glad that there are people like you doing the work you're doing.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny because when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut and not like a a mentor for fog, you know? Yeah. You know,
0: plan B, always plan think, B. Yeah. So we're going to start at the beginning where we always start, which is just curious for you about growing up. Did you have a spiritual life? Were you raised with a religion? Were you raised with something? And what was your, how how do you remember it? I grew up in Bavaria. Uh, my grandparents
1: were very 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 catholic very religious you had to go to church like when you visited them you had to be there like every saturday or sunday in your best clothes i hated it my parents weren't so religious but um i always had like this internal spirituality which wasn't connected to my family but i remembered parts of past lives um i was deeply connected to nature and for some crazy reason and Yeah, my family was pretty crazy, you know, like very dysfunctional, a lot of pain, a lot of um, fear. So very early, I don't know when it started, but very early I thought, I want to become enlightened in this life. I don't even know where this came from. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe that's like an exit. Maybe that's an exit to this crazy family. I didn't have any idea what enlightenment was, but it's an idea I kind of grew up with. Yeah, I think that it was full of illusions, you know, like enlightenment is, is a pain-free, immaculate place where nothing hurts and you are in complete control over your life, <laughs> which is obviously a lot of bullshit. But this is where the ideas I had as a kid.
0: Yeah. yeah, but it's still a lofty goal, right?
1: Yeah. Ask- Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then like when I was 10 or so, we had neighbors who were like really seriously, deeply uh, spiritual. And and I became their babysitter. And they had this huge library, like Confucius, Lao whatever. Like every spiritual teacher was in this library. So when I was babysitting, I was reading for all these books. And when they came back, they had these wonderful conversations with me about the meaning of life and about the pain in my family. And I think they kept me alive, basically. I'm... Um, they really kept me alive. Otherwise, I think it would have gone crazy in my family.
0: That's beautiful. So while your family was in pain and turmoil, these, these teachers kind of came and you got this opening. I mean, now as an adult, looking in, at the idea of, of coming home to my babysitter, right? <laughs> reading these teachers, I mean, I would be both super excited and kind of like, wow, okay, you know. Not Nancy Drew, you're reading this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder like when they came back from their evening and coming home to a teenager who wanted to talk about the meaning of life and they probably wanted to have a cup of tea and chill. But <laughs> I'm like till today I'm super grateful for these guys. I think like we we had a contract, like they we had a contract that, that we would they help uh, that they would help me through my teenage years.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. So so then what happened, right? So you're now in a family where there's a lot of turmoil. You do have access to all of these teachings. It sounds like mostly Eastern teachings or were there others?
1: Um, Like kind of everything. They followed a specific spiritual path, but their background was huge. Like they were very open-minded. And then um, when I think when I was in my 20s, I... I gave up on enlightenment. I felt I need to live first. Like I wanted to have sex. I wanted to have a boyfriend. I wanted to travel. um, And that didn't like I I, at this time, I thought like when I go for enlightenment, like I need to be ready to sit on a cushion for the rest of my days. And, (laughs) and And I wasn't ready. So I wanted to live and it took some while till I consciously really returns uh, to, to a spiritual path. So I studied, I became an ecologist. I wanted to save the world. Yeah, I, I, I worked as a soil scientist um, and I went to tons of conferences. And after some years, I, I had like a, a time of deep disillusionment uh, because I noticed, ah, oh, they have like completely different motives. They don't want to save the world. They want to get the funds for the projects. They want to publish first. They want to become a professor. They, the politicians, want to be reelected. Like they were on a a different agenda. And it was so painful to realize that I'm obviously like super naive. Save the trees. Save the world. uh, Save the world. And um, and that was very very painful um, to to wake up from my idea of um, making the world a better place and experience life.
0: So you had decided you wanted to go save the world, and then I love the idea that you can't have sex, you can't have a boyfriend if you're enlightened, and I, I, <laughs> so many people have that view, right? I was, I was sitting with uh, Noah Levine, who's a Buddhist, and he was discussing this idea where he, was, he vividly remembers sitting at that path of, of am I going to become the monk, right? Am I going to do this work while being a monk, or am I going to do this work while having a family? right mm-hmm. and that and that you know in the buddhism you're allowed like that those two options are available to you and 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 those choices right both of them are hard in their mm-hmm. own ways and both of them yeah. are filled with joy i mean yeah. in some ways it would be way easier to be spiritual without a three-year-old right <laughs> like, yeah and in some ways yeah. i'm more spiritual because i have to slow down and notice yeah. nature in a way that my son has me do and they're both po- they're all enlightenment Right, and so now you go out in the world gun ho, and then you get smacked with a lot of reality and disillusionment. So what's next?
1: I, I gave up my PhD in soil science. Um, I left the love of my life, like I had this wonderful, gorgeous man, and I thought I'm going to spend the rest of my life with him. And um, so gave up the PhD, left this guy, traveled to India uh, for a couple of months, and I felt yeah, I need to. To have a break and and think about what what i really want after coming back from india like i thought i could come back to this relationship um i mean i left europe to go traveling but i wanted to come back so the relationship fell apart i didn't want to go back into research Uh, i I worked a little bit with an environmental company to earn some money but then i decided okay if i can't save the world if i'm obviously not enlightened i want to do something that is just fun and I became an, a feng consultant and interior designer uh, that was I, I met a new partner he was an architect and i went into a time of deep crazy creativity like the creative part was very joyful it was very very successful and the relationship was super painful I think we were never really like lovers we were friends and creative partners we have been in previous lives but we were not not like really we didn't have like this really deep loving trusting bond but we were like dynamite when it came to creativity and the whole pain in this relationship um led me to do a tantra training and not only that like yeah I think when I was 30, I started like with psychodrama and breath work and all sorts of trainings and also did a tantra training with the idea that I can solve the pain in this relationship. Like, um, yeah, either become like super sexual enlightened or a goddess or... But it didn't work, you know. Uh.
0: <laughs> I love your extremes, right? There's no middle ground. There's like either you're there, you know what I mean? It's so beautiful. And um, but I also, you know, one of I, I've been paying a lot of attention in these conversations to the themes. And the theme is almost always consistently, I'm in pain, I go seek. Right? Oh, exactly. And yeah. I wish that we could do it without the pain, but like the pain brings you to the seeking. Yes, and so you're in pain, and I and I just creativity is such a spiritual act. Yeah, in so many ways, right? And so you have one part of you that's super fulfilled, and one part of you that's really painful, and so then you go out and start seeking, and it sounds like you cast a pretty wide net.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not. Um, I love your that you're pointing to this seeking part in us like the this part in us that feels deficient and that pushes us and pulls us through the weeds and through thick and thin and um, so there's this energy and I I always see it as like a thread that is fixed at our hearts and it, it pulls us and we can't like we have to follow this and this whole search we are on uh, and we label it differently, like enlightenment or clarity or whatever. You know, it's just like a fancy title. But um, so there is this thing that we can't drop. And for so many years, I thought, ah, oh, why can't life be simpler? Like, why can't I work here in the supermarket and uh, whatever, uh, put in the the the, the, um, the French fries or whatever, um, and have an easy life? And it's not possible. It's something we can't
0: drop. Yeah. I want it. I always want in the middle of all of my angst, I want to be a bus driver, but not like yes, a bus bus driver. I want like this little tiny route, right? Like I I don't want to be like a big city driver. I want to be like, I take people from this campus to this campus and that is it. And I would that level, I would die. Right. Like I'm the one that I'm the one that keeps striving for something bigger, right? But in those moments, in between I, achieving, yeah. you're like, it's it. I just want to be a Walmart greeter, right? Hi, how are you? All day—that's all I'm gonna do. The you none know, of that,
1: you know. In Germany, there is a heart surgeon. He was like super famous. Maybe you've uh-huh. heard of him. Like he—he he was super famous. He earned tons of money. He had the latest techniques, and he once he became a truck driver. He was so pissed off with of being this famous heart surgeon. So he bought a truck. He gave up being a heart surgeon, and all his Famous other friends who are surgeons as well, like brain surgeons. <laughs> now they join in truck <laughs> <laughs> driving. And, yeah, and, and I think there's something very um, important in there, you know, um, to honor this part also.
0: Well, and also just for me, I try to see can I do the spiritual work. Before I'm in enormous pain, right? And then whenever the circumstances come down the pike, I have more tools to handle it. It's just, it's harder to meditate. It's harder to sit down on the cushion. It's harder to be so forgiving unless I have no other choice, right? (laughs) If only I was a little easier to deal with. So, okay, so now uh, you're an interior designer. You've had quite an interesting life. And you're going around seeking and you're going to be a tantric goddess
1: no I failed at it completely it was just we like do. I wish I could maybe then I would be in less pain because my boyfriend would be in awe but no no, no I no <laughs> so I had to be clever and successful because I feared at being a goddess
0: <laughs> I've never met anyone that's achieved that and said yes this is the answer so yes <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah, this this was the time where I started really returning to to spiritual work, like to meditation, um, and I st- and a little bit later, through all the pain of the relationship, um, I started with Ritwan training, uh, Diamond approach. Like there's this guy, he's in the states, uh, Hamid Almas, and he has a school. It's called Ritwan School, um, and it's a lot of meditation, a lot of sitting, a lot of inquiry. And it was the first place, really, like I already had quite done quite a lot of training before, but that was the first place where they have a like a precise teaching and almost like a precise technology to really connect to your self and to really connect to the deeply connected part in you. And it was the first place that felt really unconditional, first time in my life, like I've never experienced it anywhere before in this, in this purity and in this clarity that it is completely unjudgmental. Even if you think, oh, I need to strangle my neighbor, it's like, oh, how interesting. So that was very, very helpful. And I stayed there for almost 10 years. And that was a major shift for me. And I have a lot of, I, I still use a lot of methods. Like I use them differently but I still use a lot of methods from this time. And this is when I first experienced stuff like um, eternity or black space or infinity. So yeah, it did, it did really help. But I, as you said, I was in extreme pain. I was in so much pain. I couldn't sleep for three years. You know, when, when the relationship got really difficult, I I was a wreck. Like I could have easily died in this time because I was so tired that I, I'm really surprised it didn't make an, an an accident or something. that
0: mm-hmm.
1: so was a deep, deep pain yeah.
0: <clears throat> And in those moments i I really I hear you and I'm sorry mm-hmm. and I'm, I've been in those moments myself and and looking back now, I get to really hold it like the phoenix, right the disintegration that has to happen for me to be reborn into this moment. I mean, during it, I'm not holding like the Phoenix during it. I'm just like, this is horrible. Are you kidding? <laughs> right? I'm just irritated. But looking back, I get to see the shedding of an old self an old belief, mm-hmm. right? And, and old, old ideas for me. I, I, you know, I do, again, I see it as the, the Phoenix and the this disintegration does, is never pleasant. Right. And then, and neither is the rebirth, right? Neither is Mm -hmm. the growing of the limbs again. Mm -hmm. And so is, is that kind of, is that what happened for you? What happened in that pain? I
1: think what always happens in those times, um, it's actually, I think, absolutely beautiful, but deeply difficult is growing out of old identities like growing out of the identity that we are pain, uh, that we are powerless for example like my my three biggest um issues i had to grow out and i'm not saying that i grew out completely but these are like the core issues in my life is i don't have power i don't have worth and i don't have a heart so these are like the core beliefs i i grew up with and um and I think we can't find clarity or we can't find peace or we can't find connection if we hold on to these dysfunctional core beliefs. And so it's actually something beautiful to realize, wow, I'm, I'm a much more powerful being. But to hold on to the identity uh, or to let go of this identity is so fucking hard. And maybe, yes. yeah, yeah. I wonder what your perspective on it is. Like, why do you think it is so hard to give up an identity that makes a relationship dysfunctional?
0: I mean, it's the leap, right? And I, and I, I come back and back to this idea of this leap of faith. And, and because the only way I can let go of this is I have to jump into something I do not know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that. And I, uh, the amount of trust that mm-hmm. this has to be so painful and so horrific that I have no other choice, you know, it's conflicting fears yeah. and this pain has to be more than this pain. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me to let go of this idea, you're asking me to jump into what I see is an abyss. Yeah. And I'm yeah. looking around you can't promise me it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And like, so that is terrifying. And it, the thing that's so interesting and I'm curious to hear your point of view around this, I've done this, I've now done this leap over and over again Mm -hmm. into the abyss Mm -hmm. and still today when faced with that leap, I'm like, uh, I don't know. This doesn't sound like a good idea. Is there something else? Is there something? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I go searching Mm -hmm. for any other answer. Mm -hmm. even though I know the freedom is in there and I have been Mm -hmm. caught over and over and over and over and over over again. It feels like survival to me in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those, those pieces, I think that we took our ancestral flight and fight, uh, flight and fight. This tiger's about to eat me and the relationship turns into that tiger about to eat me. Like, do I leave? Do I, you know, Mm Does that -hmm. that Mm -hmm. hold true for you, you know?
1: Yeah, I like this image. Mm -hmm.
0: And so it's still a leap. It's still a leap into unknown, which, you know, when I go to people's Facebook feeds, when I go to your, when I look around at you at the restaurant, at you out in public, it doesn't look like anyone has to do this, nor are they. And it's just not true. It's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. I need to hear that you had to do that leap too.
1: Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that your spiritual life looks just like mine, even if I didn't do the diamond method, or I'm not Catholic, or I'm not Christian, or or I'm not whatever. We're all doing the same work. Absolutely, yeah. Did you take the leap? Is that how you feel it?
1: It's funny because in in the diamond approach, people talk a lot about the abyss. It's like... a term, and when when I moved into the abyss, like in, into a big abyss, or some people call it like the dark night of the soul, or when I really had to face my identities, um it was a slow process. Like I didn't jump. I don't think anybody jumps. It's more like um, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I don't want to. Right? <laughs> yes. And it was like a time of two or three years where life felt like an endless desert, like everything felt completely dry and empty and flavorless and um meaningless and like even the air I was breathing felt like dry. Everything felt so dry. And everything that was exciting before had lost its luster and its freshness. And it's like Oh, yeah, I remember it was exciting. Uh, I remember that used to be fun. With not knowing who I am anymore, all the fun disappeared because all the fun was so related to the identity I had. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a person who is da-da-da-da-dum. The whole thing didn't compute anymore. Yeah, that, that was that was one of the, the, the first conscious sleeps where, where I watched it and I, I did write a lot in my diary and observed it and um i i knew from others like what is happening so that was helpful to say uh okay i'm not super crazy um and i had a second leap which maybe was even more dramatic um when it came to finding my own business clarity like when, when i entered into the into the terrain of the fog Mm -hmm. And I felt I'm the only one with all the training I had, like, and with all the bliss I had experienced, I couldn't find my clarity. I could see it in everybody else. And I was struggling so much. And I felt like the most crazy woman on this planet. I think the leap actually has a lot to do with power. And I felt I don't have the power to go for the things I really love. I don't have the power to move the world with my heart. I will fail with, um, I'm afraid to fail with creating a life and, and a world that is in, in, in integrity and that is built around my values. And, and I was so afraid of failing uh, that I really wanted to check out. I mean, I wasn't suicidal, you know, but see, the topic looks really hot. But if like a spaceship had come and say, Katarina, here's a ticket, or the bus had run me over, you know, I would have been completely fine with it. It was so dreadful. And it was, it was another desert, but more foggy. Not this dry desert, but like time of endless fog and reinvention. And and like all my friends, my family, everybody was rolling with their eyes. They're like, why don't you just make a decision? This can't be so hard. And nobody understood what I'm struggling with. So like I lost quite a lot of friends or the friendships kind of but really distant for some time. I felt super lonely uh, and I had no idea, absolutely
0: no idea how to get out of this thing. So how did you? What, so for me, there's a couple questions. One, which is where were the moments that, that did bring you joy? Like I tried to hold on to these lights I had in those moments. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was my dog. And I remember praying mm-hmm. to a higher power saying, the only reason I get out of bed is this dog you take mm-hmm. this dog from me and we're through just mm-hmm. to be clear. Like, like he cared, mm-hmm. like, right. Yeah. Um, but that was like this dog was my only like lifeline and joy in that yeah. case. And, yeah. and then how did you get out? Right. What kept you going, working through the fog? What kept you, how did you, then Then how did you get out of it?
1: I, I think when we're in the foggy, in the foggy abyss, um, there is a very specific thing that needs to happen. Uh, it's a different thing than in the dry abyss. In the foggy abyss, we need to step into unlearning. That's crucial. Like we need to drop everything we learned from everybody else. And we try to hold on like, oh, what did Louisa Hay say? And what is he saying? And maybe it's a sign of that and maybe I should get an Akasha reading or maybe I should check my horoscope. Or so we avoid, we we resist completely to step into our own wisdom and trust our own intuition and follow our own um, vibe and 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 path. So we, we cling to all the stuff. Like you want the safety and like I think like you know like in the like in the cinema like a cliffhanger scene. Like the guy is holding onto the cliff and there's like ten fingers and the guy's like cling cling cling. it's literally like okay okay maybe I hold onto akasha and maybe I hold onto yoga and maybe. No, 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 I I had to learn to drop everything from the outside, like go on complete detox and um, start like writing down every impulse, every insight, like completely and utterly rely on my own wisdom and my own perception. And I, I needed to do that. I mean, since it's about waking up from the illusion of being powerless, I lost the the connection to my intuition. I grew up in a family that told me what you perceive is wrong. What you think doesn't matter. uh, What you see is a whole lot of bollocks. I hold on to this identity and I can't step into clarity while I hold on to this identity. So what had to happen, and I could only see it from looking back, you know, while I was in it, I couldn't see that. Uh, What had to happen is fight this demon, fight this demon who says, you're worthless, your perception is wrong, you don't get this. Um, and, and to like really wrestle with it and say, what is it what I perceive? What is it what I trust? What is it what I feel? What is it? How do I see the world? It's like a reclaiming of, of my channels. And then the joy came back slowly. But it was really a dance on the edge.
0: Well, I also think this... This particular theme and this particular issue is, and maybe it, I maybe it is, for men, but is is so vital in women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very common in women on and learning how to to hear their own voice and to trust their own voice. And one of the things I do with the women I work with is we do a meditation. It's always meditation. If you could find me a spiritual path without meditation, I'm there, right? But so you sit with meditation, and then just ask, ask what comes forward, and write down whatever mm-hmm. comes forward. Mm-hmm. And no, don't judge it, don't think about it. You know, just do it. And 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 in the world, according to me, like the thing that's the scariest is the thing that's going to move your ball forward, right? Yeah. But just to play in that realm, to start to hear the whispers, yeah. to start to learn how your intuition speaks. Mm-hmm. And it's so vital for women. And and I mean, men too. I just think that women have less, we're taught less power, right? We're taught to disown these parts of ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: so to come into that power and yeah, it's terrifying and beautiful. I just say, I, I really honor that you stayed. I really honored that you worked at it. I mean, that's just it's so moving to me. And it is so, I, I know how hard that was and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing that work.
1: But you know that there were only two options, either find it or check out seriously. And I knew this like all these years where it was dancing in this abyss, I knew it's, it's like a game of life and death really. You know, if, if I want to have meaning, if I want to find meaning in my life, I will have to wrestle with this thing. I can't like I can't check out, but like going to the supermarket is not the solution. I knew this at this time. I wish I could. I knew but I knew that it doesn't work. And this like this energy that pulls me through the forest and through the swamps and through everything. I couldn't I couldn't drop it. There was no there was no way to drop it.
0: So it sounds to me like today you are out of the fog. Yeah. Today you have found your joy, right? Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, I'm looking at her face and you could see the joy coming off of it. It's really lovely. So tell me, one of the things I like to talk about is I spirituality is, is, is practical. It is every day for me. It is how I make decisions, right? And so tell me a little bit how your spiritual life looks today. I think my spiritual life is very
1: simple. It is, it's very simple. It's... I think mostly as it is about kindness with myself. This is where everything starts. I think that's if there's one achievement in my life, uh, then it is that I learned to be kinder to myself. And I think there's still like plenty of kilometers <laughs> to go down this road, but it's like a major shift coming from this crazy family uh, with this belief I don't have value and my perceptions are completely wrong to To be kind to myself, like even the moments where I forget who I am, being in a deep connection to nature, um, I try to talk to my spirit guides. Whenever things get tight, I'm like, "Hey, guys, I need you." <laughs> Attention. I try to follow my intuition on a much more radical level. Like, um, mm. no, it doesn't feel right. I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. What is probably the most joyful thing for me is to be able to, to help other people through this fogginess, because I see it's about business, but basically it's about liberation. Like when you work with relationships and say behind it, it's really spiritual work. It's like, yes, we talk about clarity. um, And we talk about power, but actually it's, it's waking up from old illusions. And, and I feel I don't like. I don't sit on a meditation cushion very often. Um, I used to do that. Right now, um, I don't do that. Right now, my practice is more like inquiry, sitting somewhere and inquire, like doing a solo inquiry. I might talk to my guides, like even aloud, like, "Hey, I need to tell you something," and while I talk, I sink deeper into my own wisdom, like I sink back mm-hmm. into my own source. Or I just talk to myself like, hey, uh, I need to explore this. I need to talk about it. And I'm so keen on embodiment. And that's the reason why I talk so much. Like, I don't think so much anymore. I talk a lot about things because the body is such a beautiful instrument to have like immediately resonance. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this feels true. This feels expansive. Or uh, actually, there's a whole lot of a waffle. It's like mindfuck, you know, it's not real. I can, I can feel it when I talk about it. I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of my spirituality.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much.
1: You're so, welcome.
0: I just, I got to say, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and it's such a pleasure hearing your story. Thank you so much for spending time. If you want, tell, tell everyone where they could find you if they are so called to.
1: Oh, my homepage, Katharina, K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-A. Um, what is it, slash? What was yeah. The slash? Yeah. which is and you american guys you have like z like a set
0: yes how do you pronounce that z z yes. u l e g e r.com perfect and all of that will be in the notes so if you go to coachlesley.com forward slash uh um podcast you'll be able to find out ways to get a hold of you and <laughs> yeah and i'm so so excited thank you so much for sharing this time with me wow
1: I really enjoyed our conversation and the open space you were you created for the both of us. It was a beautiful time. Absolutely.
0: Thank right. you. For listening. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review
1: us, and like us on Facebook, and share us with your friends.